and welcome back to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Yes, it has been a minute, but we are back. We are going to be catching up on comics reviews from the month of October and a lot of quality there was too. So what we're going to be doing here is going over three weeks worth, but we're going to split it into separate podcasts. We get the feeling people would maybe rather listen to 45 minutes of us talking comics than uh, three and a half hours. Yes, I'm looking at you, Keith Miller, because we like to talk. Uh, your host, as always, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. And, of course, as I say, joined by the aforementioned Keith Miller. Good evening, sir, and how are you? I am doing well. I can't complain. It's been uh, it's been a busy a busy few weeks. It definitely has. Um, you know, and uh, I think the last podcast we did was a, a previews podcast, so it's, and we've got a fair bit of catching up to do to get onto the reviews. But because we're both completionists... We couldn't just skip weeks. We've no. got to cover them all. Got so, to cover uh, them all. Such is the curse. Such is the curse. Like we, a certain vampire hunter that we all know and love. Yeah, I mean, we've briefly chatted about it, where it's a case of should we just jump back on at the week that it comes out. But now we're we're way too completionist for that. It would always bug us that there's that little hole in the reviews. So we have to mm. we have to catch up. But yeah, I suppose it's worth sort of having a quick, quick chat about the month of November. It's, it's been a busy one, I think, for us both. I mean... Uh, Vicky and I have moved house in that time. Uh, my sister had a baby today. Uh, Congratulations, uh, Uncle Alan. Thank you very much. Uh, another one along the way. And I never thought of my sister as ever being cool, but the fact that she may name this boy Jake after Jake Peralta in Brooklyn Nine-Nine instantly makes her cooler in my eyes. Nine-Nine! Nine-Nine! Vindication! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was that's some good news. You know, addition to the family, we've... We're recording this on the 24th of November. There's been many issues with Diamond in the last month, shipping delays. Um, you know, but you, you could say there have there have been a lack of many issues from Diamond this month. There was until this week when we took our single receipt of the biggest delivery in the history of the store. We uh, we had to bag 1,100 issues on Monday wow. and Tuesday. And uh, I once again throw out my thanks to Stephen, uh, who was kind enough to, on his day off on Monday, come in and you know accompany me through... Uh, bagging and boarding all of those and help the whole way i mean my way of paying him back was letting him you know talk about doctor who for 20 minutes because that's not my fandom but i acted interested Ooh. the whole time i was quite proud of myself uh, steve's this steven's a stalwart steven's a stalwart absolutely he uh the the the, the last time i manned the store and uh, we got the delivery in it was uh it was definitely teamwork making the dream work that day for 100%. sure 100 um, percent. and i mean doctor who you can't you can't complain i'm well behind i'm well behind but i know this flux thing is is uh, this new series or, or, or recent story arc uh connected story arc is firing everybody up so i must i must get round to it yeah it's a it's a bit like everything i suppose we're always trying our best to catch up on everything uh, mm. there's, there's just too much good content in the world that's that's both the joy and the problem but uh but jay also had a little visit over to thought bubble over in harrogate uh, a comic con over the weekend a few weeks back and some fantastic creators we met there, the likes of Sean Phillips, Jacob Phillips, uh, James Tinian, Ram V, Al Ewing, just jock, tons and tons of great creators. So a brilliant time had there. I would say there will be a road trip next year and uh, we oh, may I be am, filling I the am, car. Yeah, buddy, I'm definitely not missing that next year for sure. That's that's going to be a coffee and here's road trip, I think. I think so. so. So yeah, it's been pretty full on for me this month. How about yourself? I Same as that, Alan. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Brona and I were lucky enough to um, buy a new house and move into it. 
um, a few weeks back. So there's been a lot of lot of work and whatnot going on there. But we're well settled. Still a lot of work to do. It's a very overwhelming process. And uh, uh, I'd say in the next few weeks, yourself and Vicky are going to be engaged to do a little bit of painting. Happy to do so. Um, work has been interesting. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. Um, but not not least of that was uh, Sound of Belfast, which is the annual celebration of music in, in Belfast and Belfast and wider wider environs. And the centre of that is the NA Music Prize, which hasn't been able to take place physically the last last couple of years, uh, which is kind of I've heard it described by Paul Conley, uh, lead singer of the Woodburn Savages, and a very good friend of mine, uh, as the staff do for the Northern Ireland music industry. But uh, it's it's much more than that. It's a celebration of of what's uh, recent and great in the Northern Ireland music industry. So some uh, some prizes given uh, for our albums and singles and and, and so forth and. The charity that I work for, Help Musicians, was the charity partner uh, this year. So our CEO will come over and uh, got a got a great round of applause. You know, which is just great to see the the music industry being so acknowledging of the of the work that that's been done. Um, and I got a good chat with uh, with Ash's own Tim Wheeler actually at the after party. Uh, so not to be name dropping or anything, not but, at all. Uh, but that was that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, the, the folks at the OES Centre did a great job of once again of putting on the Northern Ireland Music Prize, and that is on YouTube on their on their uh, the, the OES Music Centre's YouTube if you wanna you wanna get a look. Um, so it's been it's been fairly flat out, I have to say. In fact, I haven't made it into the store as much as I normally would have for that reason, you know. Um, but yeah, and then uh, my mum and dad are back from Spain. They were they've been over there for the past ten weeks. Uh, so it was nice to see them, and it was uh, my nephew Stanley's third birthday, as well. So we were up to celebrate to celebrate that. Um, so yeah, all all go, all go. Babies everywhere, I tell you, babies mm-hmm. everywhere. So uh, no, that's that's good to hear, man. I mean, obviously with you moving house, you're you're no longer, unfortunately, a three minute walk from the store. You know, <laughs> this is the thing, but it just means we'll enjoy those chats even more when you when you get to the shop and so forth. So for sure absolutely so but no glad to hear things are going well and as as i said anytime you need a hand vicky and i are there you know that absolutely. so uh yeah so that's pretty much with us but what's been happening in the the world of entertainment sort of in the last sort of month when we haven't been recording um uh, as i say we're recording this on wednesday 24th of november which leads to the the release day of a marvel tv show that i think we are both very excited mm. about mm. it is dropping with two brand new episodes it's then going to be a weekly show it's based on one of the well at least hev- quite heavily based i think on one of the best marvel comic runs in my opinion of all mm-hmm. time what would that show be and why should we be excited about it that will be uh marvel's hockey uh starring uh jeremy renner from the mcu and uh, of course it's based on the fraction and Agir run uh, yes. Which I recently picked up in trade paperback, uh, the, uh, the 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 ballad of uh, of, uh, Clint, of of Barton and Bishop. Um, so really looking forward to really looking forward to reading that, and really looking forward to hopefully getting to see the first two issues, the episodes tonight, which I will watch. Then pretend I haven't watched, whenever Bruno wants to watch it. I mean, if ever there was a, an indictment of the fact that Bruno doesn't listen to these podcasts, that's clearly it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> someone's going to track her down and tell her i don't doubt it for a second but yeah. Uh, yeah really looking forward to that the trailers you know the, the one trailer that i watched has looked has looked fantastic i'm even willing to to set aside the christmas invasion of november uh to uh, oh, to watch it that that really shows how much you are, are looking forward to that if you're willing to watch a christmas based show <laughs> in november 
It's a Marvel based show that features Christmas. Well, there we go. That's uh, yeah. that definitely works. But yeah, I mean, I I've spoke about it at length before. I mean, my love for that run that was that was very much at a point in my comic read. And I'll be honest, I and to a degree, I know we we joke about it. I'm still heavily DC, but at that point, I was heavily DC. And uh, the main Marvel stuff I was reading was sort of the stuff on the fringes. You know, I was reading mm-hmm. Hawkeye by Fraction. I was reading Daredevil by Wade. I was reading Miss Marvel by G. Willow Wilson. I wasn't really reading Amazing Spider-Man by Dan Slott and Avengers by Jonathan mm-hmm. Hickman and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I have massive, massive love for that run. I, You know, it's a single issue collection I have. It's uh, an omnibus collection I have. It's a try yeah. to read it once every year or two. I love it. So if they even capture half of the essence of that, which I've no doubt they will, because you know mm. there's there's reverence for that there. So really looking forward to it. So hopefully, yeah, I'll I'll get watching that myself tonight, and uh, cool. you'll have a little yarn about it in the store tomorrow. Sure thing. And uh, I mean that's one that actually I didn't pick up in single issues. My my buddy Stuart, who's also a a store a store and chat regular, um, he had loaned it to me in in single issues, and and it's just fantastic, which is why I picked up the the trade paperback so readily. Nice, nice, very nicely done. But I mean, looking forward to watching that on release day. But just based on the busy month I've had, I haven't been able to get to the cinema an awful lot, which is a shame because there's some great stuff out at the moment. But I believe you've been hitting the cinema a bit more regularly than myself. Yes, sir. Uh, went to see Dune uh, with uh, with Martin uh, the other week, and as you know, I've been looking forward to that uh, with. Uh, with much aplomb, and it delivered. It absolutely delivered. Uh, I mean, there hasn't been a a really good adaption of that. What what is? I mean, it is. Dune is to science fiction what Lord of the Rings is to fantasy, um, and and they've just done a great job. Uh, I thought the the actors in it were just phenomenal and. There've been there've been some changes that have been made, but I can't argue with them. The tone, the feel of it was just exactly what I've been looking for these this past year. You know, it, it just it delivered. It really delivered, and I look forward to part two. So, get your ass to the cinema and see that one, Alan. Uh, I know you don't have the same connection to June or awareness of June maybe that I do, uh, but I think you'll enjoy it nonetheless. It's it's quite something. Um, and also got to the Eternals uh, last week or the week before. Can't remember. It all becomes one. And uh, I do, you know, obviously there's, there was some some rotten tomatoes and, 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 and critical slating, but I don't know what it was about because that was a phenomenal Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Well up there on the list. Um, very, very different in the same way as Shang-Chi was very, very different. This was very, very different again. You know, it reached back into the prehistory of Marvel, and uh, it was just a, it was very, very good movie, and a, and a real ensemble cast. Probably the probably the biggest known cast we've had in a movie like that. Um, you know, uh, it was just great. It looked great. It uh, it was Kirby esque in its visuals, which is exactly what you would expect. Um, yeah, very enjoyable addition to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and. Opening a whole lot of boxes, opening a whole lot of cans of wormses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had to choose between the two for getting to the cinema to see, I'd probably go for Eternals, simply because I think when Dune Part Two comes out, they'll do a double bill, and probably that might probably, not be a bad but, way to do it, you know. But don't you, you've got to see Dune at the cinema. It's if there was one movie this year that I would say is a cinematic movie, mm-hmm. it is that. It is that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I think that 
the the feedback certainly to June has been really really positive. But even if someone wasn't keen on it, they have massively complimented the visuals and the scope and the grandeur of it. So I think you're mm. you're definitely right there. But I suppose yeah. we are getting a uh, a new cinema in Belfast over at the Odyssey, and there's going to be IMAX capabilities there. There's going to be uh, a 4D cinema, which I think includes like smells and stuff. I have no interest in that. <laughs> but give me IMAX all day long. Give me a Dark Knight trilogy season. Give me a Nolan season. Give me Mission Impossible movies and give me Marvel movies. And let's just have fun at the IMAX. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I haven't made it to the cinema recently. But, you know, TV wise, you know, I always try to, f- f- you know, focus on one series at a time. I'd spoken before about watching Heels, which was a wrestling based show. Vicky and yeah. Aaron are working our way through Glow which is really, really good. Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, yes. Uh Yeah, it's a Netflix show. It's three seasons long, and it's just a lot of fun. It's it's completely disposable. It's 30-minute episodes, but good characters, a good insight into that world, some good humor, really light and laid back. So uh, I'm really enjoying that, but... What about yourself? Are you, are you kicking off on any TV stuff right yeah, now? Yeah, well, I watched the first episode of Dope Sick, the new uh, Michael Keaton Michael show. Michael Keaton, some Disney um, Plus, isn't that, it? Yeah, I think it is. It's uh, I'm starting to lose track a wee bit um, of where they're at. But that was absolutely phenomenal. That was very, very good. A very, um, I suppose it's very timely. It's about, uh, you know, the big pharma and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, sort of the things that have happened there around uh, one of the, the the largest addictions you know that america's ever seen it's so it's, it's very good and michael keaton is a standout actor but um a lot of the shows that i have been watching are that, that you know um why the last man which I still haven't quite finished and peaky blinders and uh the wire uh which i'm watching with brona have had to go on a wee bit of a hiatus because brona's working down south and we're only seeing each other really at the weekend so i've had to i've had to dive back into some some stuff that uh that I've maybe watched before. So one of my guilty pleasures is Highlander the series. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge Highlander fan. There you go. Get it off your bingo card. Uh, but uh, Highlander the series was, you know, a, a late 90s, early 2000s um, spinoff from the movies. And it doesn't quite work with the movie universe. You know, it's a wee bit incongruent because, you know, at the end of the first movie, Connor wins the prize, uh, you know, and that. But this follows Connor's Klansman and uh, Duncan. Uh, and it ran for like six seasons. It it kind of follows certainly in the first season that you know the monster of the week format that a lot of these shows at that time followed. But whenever the monster is another immortal and has a you know has a different character and a different agenda, it really it kind of works. You know what I mean? And it really it really deepens the mythology. So it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, starring Adrian Paul. There's a lot of martial arts. There's a lot of sword fighting, and there's a, a lot of cool uh immortal mythology so i'm, I'm I, and i have it all on dvd i managed to crack my the dvd player on my tv uh <laughs> to make it multi-region uh which you know was a thing that uh you know kids these days <laughs> maybe, maybe have no concept of multi but region what <laughs> it's because it's, it's i got them as american dvds uh region one i believe that was we were region two two power. uh so i've been uh, i've been watching that and also uh i I've been thinking about it for a long time, but I was prompted recently to dig out. Uh, you know, we're slowly moving my stuff that I have in my mum and dad's attic, which included those DVDs, uh, down to to the new house. And I was I was thinking about rewatching Quantum Leap, which is one of one series that's very close to my heart. I don't know what your history with Quantum Leap is. If you have a history with it, yeah, I mean, I remember it used to be BBC Two, wasn't it? 
Yep, yep. Used to be on sort of six thirty ish there thereabouts. It was it was very much the uh, you get home from school. I was always a kid who did my homework straight away because it got it out of the way, and then uh-huh. I could relax and watch TV the rest of the night. But yeah, I wouldn't say that I've watched every single episode, but that was always the beauty of Quantum Leap for me. Every episode was the equivalent of a a comic one shot standalone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I've enjoyed it, but it, it, I think it could do with a wee rewatch. Yeah, well, I mean, whenever I watched it, it was it was a Tuesday night. Uh, it was Red Dwarf and then Quantum Leap, and uh, it was the first time round. So when you watched it, I guess it was repeats. So this was the first time, the first time round. Uh, so it was, and then myself and my best buddy Roger. Then Wednesday, walking home from school, was deconstructing the episode. You know, the whole time. You know, so it's, this was all before the internet, kids. By the way, this is back oh, when you just chatted yeah, to your absolutely. buddies about things in <laughs> yeah, real life. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, obviously, Dean Stockwell passed away last week, uh, or the week before, uh, and Dean Stockwell was, a, was a, I guess, a stalwart of a lot of genre TV, um, but he was a child actor, you know, he, he passed away at a ripe old age of uh, 80 plus, um, but uh, he, was, he was a child actor from, from very early on, and he, you know, he was probably best known, certainly to me, as playing Al Calavici, Admiral Al Calavici, who was Sam's guide. Uh, on his on his trips through time, he was a he was a neuro neurological hologram that only Sam could see and hear, uh, and uh, you know so he, he every time Sam leapt into a new body throughout time, Al was always there uh, to to help guide him and 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 uh, figure out what he was doing and and that um, what he had to do to 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 leap on. Uh, so so yeah, that sort of prompted me his his passing recently prompted me to to start rewatching Quantum Leap, and it's. It's great, you know. It really is. There's that. <laughs> it still has, you know, a moral lesson at the end of every episode, and you know, Al's. Uh, I mean, Al is completely, <laughs> completely misogynistic. You know, he's always coming from pulling some girl or or doing something, and he's always he's always saying these things that he could not get away with in a modern TV series today. You know, and then there's, you know, there's some episodes where, you know, they they do tackle they tackle issues prevailing issues of the time and, and, and issues that are still issues now but sometimes the way they tackle them are just really inappropriate <laughs> you know what I mean? or, or things are said you know so there's one issue where 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 sam leaps into a black guy and he's he's striving to put right what once went wrong and he's doing all the, the moralistic things and, and the racist things that but then he says some things and you're like man that's racist what you just said is racist kind of goes against <laughs> what you're trying to achieve yeah it. yeah so it's it's so but it's such a good show and uh, and rest in peace Dean Stockwell yeah I mean when it comes to my experience with him as an actor I mean he was uh, very much a character actor in David Lynch movies he always turned up I mean one of his most famous uh, scenes was as Ben as he sung Roy Orbison's In Dreams in Blue mm-hmm. Velvet which mm-hmm. was a big one, but in terms of you're talking about guilty pleasures, I mean one of my guilty pleasure movies is Air Force One, which yeah. is Harrison Ford as a president who's basically an action hero. But uh, yeah, Dean Stockwell played the defense secretary in it who was trying to overthrow and you know say like, oh, right. the yeah, president's yeah. dead, the president's dead, we need someone else to take over. Uh, but yeah. yeah, as you say, it was one of those genre actors and a, and a face that would just turn up on a lot of stuff. And- so. Interestingly, he also played. We're talking about Dune and David Lynch's Dune. He played Doctor Yu. Oh yeah. Uh, he was he was he was in that, and there was uh, there. I mean, recently online, a lot of comic artists have been doing tributes mm-hmm. uh, to to Dean Stockwell through uh, Quantum Leap. So they've had they've drawn him leaping into different characters, drawn Sam leaping into different characters, and Al's reaction. And at one stage, Sam leaps into Doctor Yu's body, <laughs> and, and Al goes. <laughs> 
That's the best you've ever looked, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. So, yeah, RIP, and thank you for the many years of entertainment, I would say. Yeah, so, But, yeah, that's sort of the, the, the TV movie side of things caught up on. I mean, as I said, if we've been chatting just before we jump into the reviews, just comics-wise, the last month has been interesting simply because... I know I always talk about the issues with Diamond that we have and damages and things missing and all the rest, but they were a, a more there was a more serious situation recently where their website was hacked and uh, they were basically held in one of these ransomware attacks. Essentially, hackers broke into their website, uh, encrypted all their files and said, pay us all this money or we're not decrypting it. So they've been dealing with that for the last few weeks and therefore shipping's been all over the place like you wouldn't believe, but... There was a one week we didn't get any comics at all. Last week we got the comics that were due the week before. This week we got the comics that were due last week plus this week. It's a, it's all been a little bit all over the place. And I give Diamond a lot of, you know, stick. Rightly so, I might say. But no, they've been really good through this whole thing. And it, it is a little... It's as awkward as it is for us. It's not life and death. You know what I mean? And they are working hard on it. And uh, hopefully we're back to a little bit of uh, normality from next week. So, And we should say that... You know, as we're we're moving through these comics reviews of the weeks, we're doing them in the weeks that we got them, yeah. not the weeks necessarily that they were they were they were slated for release because that because of those various delays and bits and pieces, we only read them in the weeks that we read them in. So that's the weeks that we've chosen to review them in. Would yeah. that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very fair. I mean, there's some weeks that you know an issue will come out in the states, but we'll not get it till a week later. Things like that. Then obviously with all these shipping delays and so forth. So as Keith says. These were issues. These were the weeks we received them, the weeks we read them. So, so don't add us if uh, you know we review something. You go, no, it was out that week. These are the weeks we got it. Time moves a little slower in Northern Ireland sometimes. You know? <laughs> yeah, maybe about forty years slower <laughs> in many ways. But that's a whole other conversation. Whole other conversation. But yeah, we're going to jump into some comics reviews. And as I say, what we're going to do is. We're going to record three weeks here back to back, but what we're going to do is we're going to split it into three separate podcasts. Uh, you know, just makes it a bit more convenient if people want to listen to 40 minutes of us rambling. If they don't listen to two and a half hours, it'll all be together, but uh, we'll just do it that way. There'll be breakdowns. We will talk spoilers, of course. Lighter spoilers, I would say, for our sort of quick pick reviews, and but heavier spoilers, I would say, with the, the picks of the week and so forth. But Again, all the information is in the uh, in the description as well, so you can flick past things if you absolutely need to. So, believe it or not, even though it's the 24th of November, we have to go all the way back to the 6th of October. So, that's where we're going to be picking things off uh, with this one. And uh, for the 6th of October, the breakdown goes like this. For me, 17 titles in total. A pretty even split, though, this week. I had 5 DC, I had 4 Marvel, and as usual, Indy wins out with 8 Indy. Uh, how about yourself? I had coming in a little, a little lower than you. Uh, I had fifteen titles, so it was a, a nice week. Uh, not you know, not too many, not too few. Uh, I had three DC, seven Marvel, and five Indy. Yeah. So what we'll do is ever we'll we'll go through sort of a few honourable mentions, a few quick picks, and then you know have our pick of the week and. I think definitely one of the biggest releases from this week is one that's in our honourable mentions, and that was Amazing Spider-Man 75. So Amazing Spider-Man's in an interesting place right now because obviously Nick Spencer had that long run on the title on his own. They've brought in sort of a writer's room at the moment, different writers, a few rotating artists, that kind of thing. Uh, so it, it almost seems like for each issue you might be reviewing it. 
it doesn't fall under our usual purview coffin heroes of follow creators not characters because it might be a different creator on each issue <laughs> so that's quite an interesting way but it, it also serves as a jumping on point you know that's that's the only drawback for me when you have these creators that do long runs you know it's it's the same with tom Keane's batman it was the same with joshua williamson's flash it was the same with expenser's amazing spider-man they were essentially weaving one large tale so it was hard to recommend jumping on points for new readers but amazing 70 amazing spider-man 75 is definitely a jumping on point so with this one uh the writing writing is credited to zeb wells and art by patrick gleason so i mean going back to it i i personally wasn't the biggest fan of nick spencer's run on amazing spider i'm sure you'll have a, a counterpoint to this but for me it was just a little bit uneven there were some great arcs you know hunted really still stands out fresh in my mind but then the 2099 stuff i wasn't a huge fan of but but again, I don't have the same attachment to Spidey as a certain good friend on this podcast. So, you know, I was looking forward to a fresh start with this much vaunted writer's room, if you will. And I'm one of my favorite ever artists is Patrick Gleason. So at the very least, uh-huh. I knew it was going to look great. And I thought this issue was, was a home run. You know, we have Peter still recovering from the events of Kindred. And now he has another Spider-Man to deal with. Not only that, but you have Ben Riley, who's positioning himself as the go-to Spider-Man for New York with financial backing and an actual plan moving forward and so forth. You know, I thought this was a brilliant first issue for the new team. A great, and it was great for a relative novice like myself. You know, and and now I want to go back and definitely learn some more about uh, about Ben Riley. I mean, what were your what were your thoughts on it? Absolutely loved it. This was a pure Spider-Man jet fuel for me. Um, I mean, I. I was there for the original Clone Saga. Uh, I I love Ben Reilly. I love him. Uh, I think he's great. He's he's Peter Parker, but you know, as they say, you know, as well as 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 Thai people say, whenever uh, yeah, about about tourists, you know, same same but different. Uh, <laughs> so that's exactly what Ben Reilly is, Peter Parker, and uh, I just I just thought they did it so well. Gleason was absolutely, you know, the detailed art and the vibrancy and the reintroduction to to Ben Riley to back to where he should be, you know, which is, which is, I think not, not necessarily front and center because Spider-Man is Peter Parker, but yeah, I, uh, I love this and yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it, was, it. it was sort of a double sized issue as well. And, and again, any, anything that you can do to pull in new readers, you always worry sometimes you're going to overload them with information and so forth. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I've had a little chat with a few people about the recent Venom restart and, some people who didn't read the Donny Kate stuff or maybe a wee tiny bit lost because it picks up automatically after mm. that. But this just felt fresh. It just felt ready to go. You had new characters. You had maybe Peter being slightly pushed to the side and a new you know, a new hero to follow. But as I say, I bet the biggest compliment I can give it is as soon as I finished reading it, I was just like, Ben Riley omnibuses? Where yeah, can I find yeah. those? And I definitely want to go back and read some more of that stuff. So yeah, we've and it's and it's great from a store point of view as well because we've our amazing Spider Man pull list went up by ten people with seventy five because they were like, Right, I wanna jump on. Where's a good starting point? Like uh-huh. I had someone come in, I think, around issue seventy, which was just about to be the last arc from Spencer, but I just said to him, Look, maybe hold back, you'll not get as much from this last arc from Spencer, but issue seventy five, jump on there and I think they sort of appreciated that advice. So 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I'm definitely great. on. I'm definitely on Amazing Spidey for the for the foreseeable. It's done what it needed to do. If it has you sticking to Spider Man, <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. So yeah, Amazing Spider Man seventy five, great start, and uh, I'm really enjoying it since we've had a few issues since it's. It sort of went weekly to a degree with the dot .bey issues, you know, dot .beyond issues. But, uh, yeah, bring it on. I have no problem with that. So, Amazing Spider-Man 75, but... Makes me wonder, Alan. Maybe I should do a wee, uh, wee Ben Reilly podcast primer. I think that might not be a bad idea. Might Interesting. Not be, might not be a bad idea at all. But one thing we definitely could fill a podcast with is uh, or if we just cut out reviews of every single issue of this title because it's probably been mentioned every single podcast review. <laughs> What's your first uh, quick pick for this week? It's an independent, and it's Firepower 16 by Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney. Uh, every week I go, I can't pick it again, and yet I pick it again. Um, it was just flat out, you know, it was. it's so good. It's, it's such a good series. The Serpent's Omen has possessed the Scorched Earth clan, and that clan has been pushed by the Serpent's Omen to attack the Temple of the Flaming Fist in a in a scene that, that that calls back to the original prelude, you know, graphic novel. And finally, the event that Kirkman has been teasing since that prelude graphic novel, The Return of Master Shaw, is writ large, but it's maybe not exactly what we hoped. And, it, you know, it, it kind of, I don't know if we've talked about it before, but Master Shaw, the, the name suddenly makes sense to me because... All of the old, uh, all of the old martial arts Shaw movies, Brothers. You know, Shaw Brothers. Yep, there you go. I think there's a wee, a wee note there, and I don't know if it's been mentioned yet. But in this issue, I think Kirkman sort of nearly handed over the reins to not, not that it's not a partnership, it is, but you know, he handed over the reins to Samney because you know it's an issue that's relatively light on dialogue, relative, you know, when you compare it to a lot of others, and it's really, it really follows the art and the and the panel layouts. There's a quick pace. There's a return of characters from the first two arcs of this fantastic series. And it lends to the feeling that this book is it's a fully fleshed out world, even after, you know, 16 issues. And as always, I'm so excited for the next issue. I I mean, that's constant. Every issue of this, I'm like, where's the next issue? Where's the next issue? It's just yeah, sometimes the, the. It's a quick read because it's so frenetic, you know, in these issues that are very fight or martial arts or anything so i always read it two or three times it's so good what do you reckon yeah 100 percent. this is a series that show no shows no sign of slowing down it's perfect partnership as you say i mean kirkman's been doing this for a while that man knows how to world build that man knows how to tell a story he knows but he also knows as you say the the right time sometimes to just step back let the artist to you know carry the load so to speak you know, mm-hmm. I I love that you know slightly to the side of the issue, but I love the fact that you get that RC coda every time. It's a conversation between Chris yeah. Samney and Robert Kirkman at the back of the book. They discuss the issue, the influences, the challenges, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that just gives more depth to it. But what's interesting is there's a uh, a hardcover collection coming uh, next year. And that is definitely where my reread will be coming to Firepower because yeah. <laughs> we we read we read so much. Sometimes you read something you enjoy it so much, and then we chat about it and you're like, I really need to read more. Fi- I need to go back yeah, and read Firepower. Yeah, but yeah. that hardcover will be the way to do it. So continues to be one of Image's stellar titles. You know, it's... yeah. Though, and I gotta say, I mean, I've I've uh, I mean, as you know, I'm a martial artist myself. I've mentioned that a few times. Um, and you know, over the last 
eight weeks, ten weeks, I've found another dojo space and I'm getting back into teaching and training, you know, and, and karate again. And uh, this this book just means, I think it, it means more to me even now <laughs> over the last few weeks as a as a re-engage with my with my, my martial art form and and uh, and all of that sort of stuff so so yeah it's 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 very very good it's very very good nice so again if you're not on fire power get on it you've got that prelude original graphic novel first three trades are available after that like it's it's easy to to get caught up in fire power and, and even that first prelude graphic it's one of those image ten dollar books so you know just give it a go because it is fantastic. So, yeah, that is the usual uh, mention of the latest issue of Firepower <laughs> out of the way. Can't help ourselves. We can't, but we'll stick we with... We shouldn't either. Well, we shouldn't. this is true. This is true. But it's really interesting to me that, you know, you made a point of saying to me we can never mention The Walking Dead as a, as a you know, honourable mention because we will talk about every single issue, but we do it with so many titles anyway. I know, but, yeah, I mean... The Walking Dead. It's because it's a re-release. That's all. That's the only reason. I mean, it's as it's as good. It's as good. That's fair. That's fair. Well, sticking with the indie sensibility and and not a re-release. Uh, the next one I wanted to throw a bit of love out towards was a series called Chicken Devil. Uh, this is uh, Chicken Devil number one, written by Brand Bucoletto and art by Hayden Sherman. And this was an aftershock comics release. And I have to say, Aftershock at the moment are quietly building a brilliant portfolio of titles. Some really great stuff coming from them, and this was another home run. You know, we, we obviously do the previews podcast. We look at upcoming titles. They'll talk about certain things are across between this and this, or it's for fans of this and this. But with Chicken Devil, it looked to me to be a mash between Breaking Bad and Ozark. <laughs> you know, how, how, how much can you hype a title? But with a little bit of a low-rent superhero vibe as well. And the first issue was absolutely brilliant. I mean, so much happens in this issue. It's incredible. It's so fast-paced. But I shouldn't be too surprised. You know, Bucoletto, he was on The Flash during the New 52 run, which is one of my favorite Flash runs. He was on Injustice along with Tom Taylor. He also did a really great image in the series called Sons of the Devil. The man knows how to tell a really good story and... Chicken Devil, it tells the story of Mitchell Moss and how everything goes so horribly wrong in his life thanks to his shady business partner. There's the Ozark connection. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I say everything goes wrong, I am not kidding. By the end of issue one, he is left with nothing. And I mean nothing. No family, no money, no job. But what he does have is a burning desire for revenge for everything that's happened to him. So I have absolutely no idea where Chicken Devil is headed in the long term. I think it's a five-issue miniseries. I'm very much looking forward to uh, to issue two. Just a really, really cool title. Issue two actually landed this week, so it did. So it'll be quite high on my pile, I would say. So uh, that is Chicken Devil number one. And next up, we can chat very quickly about a, uh, a title from a, a certain writer who I recently had the pleasure to meet again. He actually remembered us from interviewing him, which was really, really cool. And also, ah, lovely. And also a title that has got a second season as well. What are we talking really? about? Really? Oh, yeah. That's great season, news. Season uh, that is uh, Ram V and The Swamp Thing from DC, uh, which is just one of the best books they're they're putting out. Um, we've got the finale approaching with this book. We're into the, the third act of his uh, character-defining run on, 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 on the story, and it features a new alter ego for the protector of the green. Um, we're starting to get some answers to all of our questions about Levi's origin as the Swamp Thing and his connection to the Green is revealed alongside a real, I, I almost want to say it's maybe slightly autobiographical 
examination of tradition and family and pain from uh, from Ramvi. And his scripting is just it's it is deep and it is wide. And we have the two Mikes, Perkins and Spicer, on uh, on art and color, and they're just beyond that depth and width of, of writing. They're just adding further layers to the story. It's incredible. There's a, a balance of action-packed, bombastic scenes as the Swamp Thing takes, you know, he's shown to 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 take down or to to to, to talk to or engage with the very timely appearance of the Suicide Squad, given the, the recent movie. And it's all perfectly balanced. Those bombastic scenes and action is perfectly balanced against the more quiet, intimate moments with Levi and, and his reflections and, and, and that. It's just, this series, it's just, it's just phenomenal. It's top-level comics, and it's right up there with the very best that has been, that has been done with the character. Looking at you, Eleanor, uh, <laughs> it's, it's right there. You know, it's, it's so good. That is definitely some company to be in, and I think it's not hyperbole. I think it is, is genuinely warranted. I mean, Ram always comes across to me as a very thoughtful writer. I mean, he doesn't put anything in there unless it means something or it absolutely has to be there. And you get that sense when you chat to him as well. He's a very deep thinker. He you know, doesn't just want to tell a good superhero story. He wants to talk about other elements that, that are brought into it as well. And Swamp Thing's fantastic. I mean, it's as I said too, it's been... I mean, right back when we chatted to Ram the first time, he talked about how, right, we're going to do a season one. If it does well with the fans, it does well... You know, sales-wise, I have more ideas. We'll maybe do a season two. And in the last few weeks, a season two got announced and they are going to continue this. So brilliant stuff. Bring it on. I mean, I love Mike Perkins on art as well. He's the perfect artist for this. There was an issue John McRae filled in on, which was absolutely grand as well. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. like, I love the Mike Perkins art in this, the layouts, the colors, the designs. And, I mean, they, these guys, they get off to a home run with this series with the Future State Swamp thing, which was, again, one of the best titles of Future State. I would love to see the whole thing, you know, this first season plus the Future State issues collected as a, as a trade. 100%. Well, what they're going to be doing, I believe, for season one is, uh, so season one is 10 issues, and then you've got the two issues of Future State. So they're breaking it down into two trade paperbacks. The first one's going to have the two Future State plus issues one to four, then the second uh -huh. one's going to be five to ten, but... Give us a gorgeous hardcover down the line and uh, we'll be there. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, from one of DC's best titles to probably one of Marvel's best titles at the moment, here's your customary bingo card uh, mark-off of a Tom Taylor title. <laughs> Every time. I'm sure we'll mention them again. But uh, in this case, it's Dark Ages number two. So written by Tom Taylor with art by Iban Coelho. And two issues in, and this series has covered a hell of a lot of ground. You know, I was not expecting a seven-year time jump in issue two, especially given what had happened in issue one and the new status quo that it had established. You you almost expected to see, like, a, a not a drawn-out story, but a story of how people cope with the change and what had happened and, you know, slowly getting the grips with it. But nope, we jumped seven years into the future. And there was loads of really interesting ideas, I thought, in this issue, you know from heroes who usually rely on technology and power how could they still be a hero what about the villains in the world would they still plan for evil or unite with heroes against another worldly threat what about the uh, heroes in the world that maybe aren't quite so heroic exactly exactly uh -huh. i mean there was the face a, of what they faced well there was a very interesting rope in this one with captain america but you know i'll leave you to yeah, discover that yeah, on your yeah, own yeah. But, but i thought it was interesting as well i I find, and maybe you can correct me on this, but I find with a lot of Marvel event books, 
they the focus tends to be on the Avengers or even the Fantastic Four. But what they've done certainly with issue two of this, I think Taylor and Quello have made this a very X Men heavy book, which is fresh, which is refreshing to see outside of the current Hickman continuity. Krakoa era, if that yeah, makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know this this threw some curveballs at you i thought mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah great first couple of issues i think so far you know it leaves me with the only gripe is that uh this series feels like it should be longer than five issues for me yeah uh, maybe maybe but let's see what he covers uh it's you know wouldn't be the first time that a tom taylor event has got a second season you know uh definitely not there was uh what's the dc one that has just gone and gone and gone deceased the deceased that's the one um but yeah i mean i love these sort of they're kind of what iffy Mm -hmm. uh without i mean to me well per chip went to the trouble of designing that label i would have i would have fired it on this as well you know uh definitely but uh, that so that's that feels like a wee bit of a wee bit of a waste but yeah it's great It's it's a lovely way just to sit back and a joy without any sort of you know the, the strings are cut and you're able to just kind of go okay let's see where this goes you know uh things that i know were pulled in and tom taylor will no doubt pull in the heartstrings as ever and Ivan coelho ah just just brilliant and yeah great world building as well yeah and by the way if you do listen to this tom taylor which i doubt but if you do Please do a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man follow-up. Anyway, that's just a personal <laughs> personal request. Personal request. So, uh, yeah, Dark Ages number two. So, next up we have, I believe, and this is an AWA title, isn't it? It is. It is indeed, and uh, I'm very much enjoying it. It's out number one, which is kind of the Great Escape meets horror um, as a Comanche code talker, a language expert, uh, is captured as a POW. Uh, during World War II and sent to um, a Nazi mountain fortress prison where the Nazis are working on a terrifying weapon of some kind. Now, that might seem like fairly well-worn territory, but it's presented so well that there's this promise of some really imaginative and inventive story twists to come. Rob Williams is the writer in this, and he does a great job of building tension, uh, but not at the expense of plot. He flees feeds plenty of plot and character develop and will conrad uh presents it all in, in sort of washed out tones that let let me really feel the the, the mountain cold uh though i did sometimes find it a wee bit difficult to differentiate between uh, a run of different characters it's a it's going to be a five issue slow burner i think from awa but i am absolutely expecting this one to blow up it is so so fun yeah. Uh, are you on this at all? Have you? Yeah, I mean, anything AWA, I jump straight on anyway because I just I love the label and what they do. And they tend to do a lot of genre storytelling. It's self-contained stories and so forth. But yeah, I really, really dug the first issue as well. Uh, I thought the art was... There's maybe a bit of truth to what you say, but the art I thought for the sort of expansiveness of it, the exteriors, and the, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty beautiful. And I'm always a fan of anything that's sort of alternative history if you will so yeah yeah, and and a wee bit of uh, genre bending yeah very much so so yeah i'm on this as well which was out number one but one thing i am not on is eternals and you're about to tell me why i should be well this is that the 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 pick is eternals celestia number one it's one of a series of of one shots that kieran gillen is doing that uh, that sits slightly to the side of the main the main arc and this one seemed like a beautifully timed 
brilliant piece of Gillen's saga that also dovetails, I think it turns out, I don't know if, it, if by design, wonderfully into the plot of the movie. As Eternals, Ajak and Makari, the Eternal Priests, learn about their actual origins and the reason for their existence, and that all blows up in their faces, with each of them as priests of varying, I suppose it's something we understand in religion, varying ways of celebrating the same God, <laughs> as they reconcile what they've learned in very different and opposing ways. Sort of like the, the, the other one shot that's been released so far, Thanos Rises, it moves away from the core narrative of the of the Gillen saga to tighten focus on aspects of different members of the Eternals cast that don't fit quite so neatly into the action of the main series. In Eternals Thanos Rises, he focused on the prehistory of the Mad Titan, you know, which is to say the story of his parents. And in this, in Eternal Celestia, he takes a look at those Celestials that have been truly abandoned by by the Celestials the priests and it, it ties into Jason Aaron's Avengers run because the Avengers of, uh, of 10,000 BC make an appearance here. And we set up maybe some hopeful interactions with Jason Aaron's modern day Avengers team. And these, I don't know, these additional insights and contexts that he's adding with these one shots are really appreciated. The Eternals is such a big epic story and he's just doing a really good job of, I think reintegrating what is, in some ways, an orphaned Kirby creation into the mainline Marvel Universe. I think it's it's, it's just doing a great job of, of what he's weaving here. Yeah, I think I'll probably jump back on Eternals and Trades. Uh, I read the first few issues and I enjoyed it to a degree. I just couldn't quite fully connect with it. Maybe just my knowledge wasn't quite there. I, I, I don't know. Maybe after watching Eternals, it'll you know, um, light a fire. I don't know. Nobody's nobody's knowledge is there. This is, a, this is a, an offshoot Kirby creation. You know, the same as, you know, the, the the one he did, the New Gods that he did over it. You know, nobody really understands the New Gods. They've just, they've co-opted bits and pieces into the mainline DC universe. Mm -hmm. You know, they've done the same here, you know, and it, nobody's knowledge is, is great about this because it was one of those, it was whenever Kirby was at the depth of his, or the height of his, of artistic, it was all just throwing stuff out there. And it was whenever he came back from DC after the New Gods didn't quite go the way he wanted. Um... So nobody's knowledge is, is there, you know. It's just, it's 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 really deep, and 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 Gillen is is taking that and and making it into a mythology that that Kirby wanted it to be, mm -hmm. you know. So I think you're I think you're all right. I think you're in the same foot as everybody else. I fully expected you to say ever since uh, Kirby did New Gods over at the uh, Distinguished Competition. <laughs> The old classic day Marvel would use to when they're talking about DC. So uh, yeah, so that was Eternals, uh, Celestials. So we're going to move away then from the honourable mentions from this week and move on to picks of the week. So uh, a little bit more detail here, probably a few more spoilers, but also telling you why you should be definitely picking up these titles. So I'll kick things off with uh, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number one. This is an Image Comics title. Written by, what a title, though. Oh, man, it just, just screams <laughs> 80s Van Damme movies to me. But, uh, yeah, so it's written by Rick Remender and art by Andre Lima Arujo. And anything written by Rick Remender will always have my attention. You know, get your bingo cards ready. Aside from mentioning the greatness of Deadly Class all the time, he has also been one of Image's most important creative forces, I would say, of the last decade. 
You know, he's done Tokyo Ghost, Black Science, Low, Death or Glory, Seven to Eternity. It's quite simply a list of greatness, and that's without mentioning his Marvel work. You know, he helped reimagine and, and put Venom back on the map, you know, Uncanny X-Force, just to mention a couple. So, uh, so yeah, when I see that there was a new crime comic coming from Remender, with art by Andre Lima Rujo, as I say, whose own work can be found in the pages of Thanos, and in the title called Generation Gone, War of the Realms as well, he, he did some art there. You know, it instantly became a highly anticipated title for me, and it definitely did not disappoint. It's interesting that this was my pick of the week, the week that you mentioned Firepower, you know, because that Firepower issue, you know, maybe Kirkman handed the reins over a little bit to uh, Chris Samney and let him tell the story. I mean, I think certainly, and, and I get this from a few people in store, I think too often in comics people can turn their noses up at a title if the story is conveyed more through the images and the art than words. You know, I think people sometimes forget that comics is a visual medium as much as anything else. Because the first issue of this, it's mostly a silent issue. You know, we rely on the art to set the pace and the mood and the tone far more than the words. And for me, it works brilliantly. You know, it creates one of the most unique and atmospheric titles so far this year. To break it down into simplistics, I mean, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, it's about a man taking a bus. The plot is very straightforward. The first issue is more introduced, or more interested, sorry, I should say, in introducing this world and the characters. And the plot takes a little bit of a backseat. But yeah, in this mostly silent issue, we focus on the daily journey of a man who, we're told in the advanced solicit, uh, stumbles upon a dark web contract assassin's vicious plot to kill an innocent target. You know, in this first issue, there's next to no violence. We're, we're being slowly led into this world. It's all about atmosphere, all about tone. The excitement here, it's in the detail. Uh, the small interactions between strangers who meet in passing and the layering of tiny events that will lead to the comic's sort of shocking moments in the last few issues. You know, the, the the building of this narrative, it's slow, it's deliberate, with small moments that'll feed into the main story, and they're brilliant to read and savor. I mean, you talked about uh, reading Firepower a few times. I've read this issue four times now, just pouring in the little, little details here and there. I'm jealous of the time you have to do that. I don't normally find the time to do it, but when it's a silent <laughs> issue, it, it takes less time. <laughs> but yeah, there's seemingly throwaway moments, you know, they pay off later in the issue, you know, characters who appear to be one thing in the first few pages turn out to be another. You know, despite the fact the plot doesn't move that quickly, there's a lot to unpack and enjoy here. And the stage for me, it's set for an excellent series with with the violence that that title suggests. You know, it's it's very much in the post and it arrives in those last few pages. You know, Remender's writing, it, it's tight, it's on point, but again, it's, it's Arujo's visuals that take center stage. You know, it's a seriously beautiful book with... Visuals that are both hyper-stylized, but also wonderfully mundane, showing the day-to-day. And, of course, also due to the colors of Chris O'Halloran, the hardest-working colorist in the business, along with Jordi Belair. Uh, you know, this world feels real, it feels lived in, and under the surface of that mundane, there's a whole other world lurking, you know. Highly recommended, you know, it's the first issue is already going back to second print, which don't expect for long, by the way, because Image have announced they will not be doing second prints of their titles anymore due to this worldwide paper shortage. Uh, but yeah, if you can pick up a, a second print even, which I'm pretty sure we have a few in store, get on it. I am on board this for the long haul. So thoroughly brilliant issue and one that I know that I'm going to have to throw your way as it it did not make it onto your cut, I believe, but I think it, uh, I think you would love this. Great. I look forward to that. No, it, uh, it's, it didn't slip onto my pull list. I'm trying to be a wee bit more disciplined with myself, as you know. 
Um, yeah, but uh, no, that sounds uh, based on your review. I would buy that. That's always what I like to hear. So, yeah, so my pick of the week for this week, it was A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, uh, number one from Image Comics. And I believe that this week is an Image twofer. That is correct. For me, it is Scotty Young and Jorge Corona's The Me You Love in the Dark, number three. We love our fancy titles this week. Long titles. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is we're over three issues into this, this fantastic series from the team that bought you brought you middle west um and Jorge corona's art just i mean i should say amazing spider-man 75 was released this week it was going to be my pick of the week until i read this you know what i mean and you know how i am with spider-man that is high praise. <laughs> so, so i mean corona's art it just makes this the most beautiful book on the shelves this week but like the rest of the book, the art is deeply, darkly beautiful. It's the third issue. We're now crossing the halfway point of this series that finds Roe, a visual artist, moved into a haunted house to find Muse for her latest expected project. She's been surprised to learn the rumors of the haunting weren't entirely false, and there's a mysterious entity, an almost, I don't know, almost Lovecraftian entity that lives in the house, but, you know... Uh, she see she 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 learns that it seems more demonic and eldritch than ghostly and seems very very old. But as time passes, months in this issue, the relationship between the two, which which began in sort of issue two, deepens and ends in consummation by the end of the issue, which is just freaky in itself. That's uh, there's so creepy, uh, and unlike the act. The issue is is intimate. It's all omnipresent shadows that are necessary for the creature's comfort. The you know Corona's art creates small spaces that are that are sort of cozy rather than claustrophobic, and you feel like you're almost peeping into you know as if you're an unseen viewer watching a, a couple's romantic situation. At at times, it's funny particularly around the eldritch things, efforts to understand some of the vagaries of modern life. But it's also a wee bit racy and titillating. And alongside all of that, it is really, really dark and terrifying. It's, 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 like, it's like nothing else, I think, that is, is on the shelves today. I mean, and I feel like Ro, the, uh, the protagonist, has no understanding of what she's into or realisation that this creature is subtly cutting her... And she's already almost solitary. You know, she's out of contact with anybody she might know, but this it's subtly cutting her off from everything around her. It's delaying her project. It's feeding her procrastination with apparent kindness and consideration. Like it's an ancient master manipulator intent on getting her solely to itself. And that's a plan that's unexpectedly upset when Rose Patron from her art gallery pays a surprise visit at the issue's end. And things will only get darker in the same way as every issue has been getting better. Scotty Young and Jorge Corona flawlessly mix horror and romance, creating that is something far removed from, but as compelling as Middle West was. What do you reckon? I mean, it's interesting you bring this issue up. I mean, this is very much the calm before the storm because this is a romantic issue. This is the gothic romance, that kind of thing. 
I mean, issue four. The Wuthering Heights in a way. Oh, my God. But issue four. Talk (laughs) about a dark turn. But, yeah, I mean, same again. I mean, this this is the kind of series that is ever, you know, it it goes back to the advice we always give of following creators. And especially if you can follow a creative team who just work in tandem Mm -hmm. so well. So, you know, it's not just following a writer here or an artist. It's following the fact that these guys work brilliantly together. Middle West being such a masterpiece. And, Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's only five issues, so it's a bit more finite than that. You you, you do wonder if you could extend it any further. I I'm kind of glad it's five issues because I I need I need the terror to end. <laughs> <laughs> but it's de- what's definitely cool about it is that uh, I mean this is issue three. It's your pick of the week. I'm pretty sure issue one was my pick of the week, and yeah. I think we had issue two as an honorable mention. So it's maintained yeah, that yeah. quality the whole way through as well. Um, and it's another one. It's another one from from Young and Corona that. You know, I've said before, Brona's not a not a comic, not a fan of the medium, but will will happily engage. And mm-hmm. she loved Middle West, but I think she is going to absolutely love this. You know, I've been I've been trying. She's been so busy recently, but I've and I haven't yet set aside the issues for her to read. But she's I think this is going to be right up her street. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is up the street of anybody who enjoys quality storytelling well yeah yeah you are there you are and and i'm the girl's boyfriend so clearly she enjoys quality oh nice nice self-congratulatory <laughs> comment there. that was that was that was effortless effortless but yeah no it is it is a brilliant book i mean the the previous book arrived this week for uh february's releases and me loving the dark the trade paperback solicited for february so again if you're more of a trade reader or you know, you're happy to hold off, like pick this up. It is it is absolutely fantastic. So uh, I will very much jump on board the love train for me, Love in the Dark. And I'm sure we'll be talking about the darkness that is issue four when we reach the week of release for that. So, yeah, great choice there. And Image 1-2 takes the uh, picks of the week for the 6th of October. So we are going to leave it there for the 6th of October, but we will be back in a separate pod you will find on the network uh, for the 13th of October releases. And again, there's tons of great stuff to talk about there. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this as always. Uh, any titles appeal to you, you know where we are. Get in touch. So cheers for listening, and we'll see you back for episode two of this week's releases. So I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm a Scannison 00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.